This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash our anxiety stories. My name is John Bateman, and you're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found at anxietycanada.com and most of your popular podcast platforms. Today, I'm speaking with artist Hannah Stone. Hey, Hannah. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, First questions first, as always, is Hannah, what's your anxiety story? Um, good question. You know, it's interesting because when you asked to interview me, I, you know, I listened, I listened to your format and I knew you were going to ask me that question. And I just had, I felt like my answer would have been that I've had anxiety for the last year, like debilitating anxiety since I've, uh, I was diagnosed with bipolar, um, about this time last year, I had two severe episodes. Mm -hmm. And since then, I mean, I have it right now. I can feel it in my voice. It'll calm down. But, um, since then, I've had like crippling, debilitating anxiety as a result of some of the brain damage from the bipolar and from the medication. Mm-hmm. But um, it's interesting because I think it was a couple of weeks ago you asked me to come on here. So I went onto the website and I listened to a whole bunch of stories, you know, of your mm-hmm. interviews. And I had no idea that I've had anxiety my entire life. I've never had the language for it. Like, I just I want to thank you for what you're doing, because it's helped mm-hmm. me so much to sort of like form my story and understand what's actually really been happening with me over the last year. You know, when I was little, mom always just said I had a nervous tummy or um, like I was a warrior. I had a, an ulcer, a stomach ulcer when I was six. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I would eavesdrop, you know, about the family, what was going on as far as finances go. And I was worried about just, I was worried about absolutely everything and terrified of a lot of stuff, you know, um, my whole life. But I, kind of took the route of um, self-medicating, you know, I'm a recovered Mm -hmm. alcoholic and drug addict and I had bulimia for 14 years. And I kind of realized after listening to a lot of the anxiety stories that, you know, that's on the podcast, um, that that was me trying to deal with my anxiety, with Mm -hmm. alcohol, with drugs, Mm -hmm. you know, with controlling my, um, my body and food and all that stuff. And it's interesting because since I've, I had my bipolar episodes, which to me came completely out of the blue, I'm 49. So I was 48 last year and I had two intense um, separate week long episodes where I ended up in a psych ward both times. Right. Mm -hmm. It like just, uh, it was terrifying. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And what came from that was this debilitating anxiety after the fact um and my psychiatrist said that something happens with the bipolar um episodes it's like he said it's literally like having your brain crushed in a car door like it's a physical um what's the word injury right Mm -hmm. yeah so you know this last year I've been on medication for it which I don't do well with any kind of medications like I've the doctors have tried to medicate me before for depression. I've had depression a few times in my life and I get suicidal immediately, like within days of being medicated with pharmaceuticals. Um, so being on this bipolar medication, I've, I've gone through that. I've been like suicidal. I've been um, just tormented, like mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. tormented. And the medication mm-hmm. that they put you on, one of the side effects for it is anxiety. So I've been experiencing uh-huh. this year. I mean, it's just horrible, you know, like it's, yeah. 
it's great that they can, um, you know, calm my brain and keep me stable. But when, you know, when the option is having constant anxiety, it's not much of a life, you know? So, you know, my story of like real anxiety to me has been just this year of, of just trying to get through life a day at a time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like literally my boyfriend's incredible. I don't know. I don't think I could have gotten through it if I was by myself, but there's been so many days where I've just been on the living room floor, literally on my hands and knees with my hand on his, on his knee, he's on the couch. Like it mm-hmm. just, some reason it makes me feel safe when I'm on the floor Mm-hmm. And just holding my hand and him just saying, it's okay, you're okay. And I'm, and I'm saying it with him. Like, I yeah. understand some of the cognitive behavior therapy, you know, where, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm on my living room floor, nothing bad's happening, you know, it mm-hmm. feels like impending doom. Yeah. Um, but I try to talk my way out of it. And it just, it just has to kind of run its course, you know, right. and so that kind of anxiety is completely new to me. I've never had that level of anxiety, you know. Um, let's, um, let's go back a like a year. So you, okay. you, you feel like you hadn't had bipolar episodes sort of before, you know, the last couple of years. Can you, can you sort of describe to me what, what your experience is of a, of a, of, you know, a bipolar episode? Um, it started about six weeks. So it was about almost exactly this time last year, because I was admitted around October 13th. So there was about a month of me painting um, and creating manically, which I do anyways, I've always been like, I've always had kind of high highs and low lows, but never this, this extreme. So I had about four to six weeks of painting 18 to 20 hours a day, not sleeping, um, but feeling really high and really good. I'm an addict, right? I love getting yeah. high. I love the feeling of it. And yeah. it was natural. And it, it it felt familiar. Like I knew I was in one of my highly creative, prolific bouts. Um, but it, I just pushed it over the edge. I lost sleep. I didn't eat much. Um, you know, and James was kind of like checking in with me, like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm great. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. producing these paintings and loving it. And, um, and then something just switched. Mm-hmm. And... I remember like little bits and pieces of it, but I left the planet. Like I was hanging out with Elon Musk on different planets, populating different <laughs> worlds. Like it yeah. was crazy, you know, yeah. like I really, really. So sort of a rush of ideas and a rush. A rush of, of yeah, incredible yeah. ideas. I had like 54 new business ideas. I was just, every time I spoke with James, I just had these, you know, I was just pumping with like um, energy and excitement and ideas and stuff. And, you know, I mean, he's only known me for, I think, two and a half years. So he, I didn't know I was bipolar. He didn't know. He didn't know what was happening. So he was trying to keep me safe and, you know, trying to figure out what was happening. By the time he was ready to surrender what was happening, I was like in desperate need of um, of medication and medical attention. You know what I mean? Right, like I got, right. apparently I got violent. Like I I didn't beat him or anything, but I would jump on him and, and mm. like attack him and stuff. And he's six foot four. He's a huge man. And yeah, he just, yeah. he said, you were just so strong. You were so out of it. And I mean, it was horrible. It was, you know, humiliating. I left the house with no clothes on, like just classic, classic yeah. bipolar, yeah, you know, yeah. like um, presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, yeah, I was taken away. He, he, I mean, it must've been the hardest thing to call, the, you know, the paramedics on your girlfriend so were you taken away 
during a manic episode or were you did you hit a depressive episode because bipolar obviously goes up and then goes down yeah yeah Yeah. no both times I was highly manic the first time I was a lot more aggressive than the second time he said the Mm. second time I got picked up because I was taken away medicated with lorazepam and um, clonazepam which is no not clonazepam or olanzapine which is a bipolar medication So they stabilized me for three weeks and I was really good. I was painting in the hospital. I was just happy. And they said I was very childlike and I was kind of coming back to earth. Mm -hmm. And then they released me because I was doing well. Um, And then I, as soon as I was released, I think I was home for about a week. And then I started having intense side effects of the meds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, you know, I was, I was suicidal. I was panicking constantly. Um, There was a whole bunch of, of side effects. And so I, James and I both decided to stop taking the medication because the meds were making me feel worse than what I thought the other option Yeah. Which was. happens. You often have to meds aren't, yeah. oh, you, you don't just find one and boom, you're fixed. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. They all have different effects on you. When yeah. you say suicidal, were you, were you experiencing basically suicidal ideation? Like you weren't, you weren't really acting upon it at that point, I'm assuming. Ideation just means you're thinking about it. Is yeah, that you're feeling yeah, suicidal? yeah. It's kind of like you know, with me, I've experienced suicidal ideation in terms of basically compulsive thoughts, you know, yeah, about suicide, um, kind of like a almost like a safety mechanism, you know, like a way out of the pain, and my brain would just automatically think about it. The hard part for me was convincing myself that those thoughts weren't rational or real. Uh, very scary. Yeah, it is very scary. It's happened about five times in my life. And it it usually gets to the point where I'm still at least cognitive enough to know that these are thoughts that I'm depressed, that I don't have to kill myself, that it will destroy. I always just think about my mom, you know, losing her daughter. Which is is often, it's a very good um, coping mechanism. It is, yeah. We make that list of of people that that pros and cons it would affect yeah exactly the people that it would affect yeah Um, and that's a that's a good way to to deal with those things too yeah but this specific one where I was medicated and post you know trauma from my episode I was really scared that I was going to do it like I just felt Mm -hmm. like dying I felt like it was the time and the voice I always call it the voice that comes up when I'm on this medication it's like, it just tells me it's, it's, t- it's time to go. You've had a good life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was that. Yeah. And I was speaking to that because I was so unstable. I was scared. I might be able, I might actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm hiding in closets in the bedroom thinking mm-hmm. that like Tom Cruise was going to fly in and take me to Scientology. Like it was just, I was so out yeah, there. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's quite, quite a, it was an insane. Episode. Yeah. And so then, what, so sorry I went uh, off the meds and it got worse and then I yeah. had another episode um where I was a lot more subdued and kind of um James just said it was like he was he said it's like I wasn't in the room you know it's right. like I was walking around like this ghost and just having crazy thoughts and feelings and and then the he ended up calling them again because I just he couldn't communicate with me I started to talk in like baby talk like mm. I couldn't it was like yeah. I was trying to speak but I yeah. couldn't move my lips yeah so I was yeah. like mumbo it was just insane I mean well, yeah, I mental health can have back. that can have that out of body uh, experience yeah. it can have that you where you don't really feel like you have sort of autonomy over what's going on with your yeah. body physically yeah. or emotionally yeah what and at I, what point like did said, you, what point did you um sort of 
how, how did you come to know that you were bipolar? Like, were you diagnosed? Was it something you kind of had known about before? No. Um, so how, how did, how was that presented to you? And how, what was your reaction to that being presented to you? Well, I was kind of, I mean, it was when I was in the hospital, I was kind of shocked and relieved because I didn't know Mm -hmm. what had just happened to me, you know? So Mm -hmm. I was kind of grateful that there was a label. I was confused that I'd never had an episode before, you know, that I'm 48 and I'd never presented this way before. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also kind of, you know, made me reflect on my life. Like I said, I've always had, high high highs and low lows and Mm -hmm. I've always self-medicated to get higher highs you know what I mean and to kind of stay away from the lows so and there's also apparently like bipolar one and bipolar two Mm -hmm. and bipolar so I feel like I was maybe bipolar one for the most of my life where I would swing up and down but not lose the plot you know yeah well you you remain in I think what's called a hypomanic state so it's not quite as um sort of you you don't get the you don't have the you know the sexual impulses that can come with it the spending impulses right. creative impulses quite as much you're just kind of riding you know a sort of a a slightly a better version of you right yeah, uh, yeah kind of the ultimate version of you but then yeah um so it was a relief when you when you got a name to what you had or what you have yeah it was just interesting I just thought it I found it fascinating because I I've just never you know, I just thought I knew my brain. I thought I knew who I was. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have really, I mean, I I say I've had good coping skills. I've had coping skills to the point where I've never really shown anyone how anxious I am and how fearful I am. Like I can present really well and look good and sound good and, and come across um, like I've got my shit together. Always mm-hmm. terrified that people are going to find out that like, lo and behold, I don't have my shit together. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't yeah. know what I'm doing and I'm fearful and extremely self you know judgmental of self and stuff um but what it's done this year it's it's given me so much more compassion for people with mental illness you know just the concept but also just for myself like I've I've been yeah it's just given me a lot of self-compassion just because I've had to go easy on myself I can't like you know push through what I'm going through like the doctor keeps saying it's like it's only been a year there's been brain injury mm-hmm. there's been trauma you know and slowly as the months go by I, I've gone down a little bit on my meds and so my anxiety's gone a little bit down which is good and I'm having days where I don't have anxiety at all excellent um yeah which is huge yeah. you know but it keeps coming back so I've, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm accepting that I might have to live with it you know it might just be a part of I mean, I think it is. It's part of who I am. It's the thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, it, that was a hard part for me with my anxiety and my depression yeah. was I was even talking the talk. Like I was even saying, oh, yeah, you just have to accept it and we'll go away. And then I would have another episode. But totally. there's a difference between that, between verbalizing it and actually really accepting that it's a part that is something we're going to have with us our whole lives. Yeah. Um, and not to be scared of that, just to understand. For me, I, I understand yeah. it. It's the fact that we have all humans have differing emotions all the time. Our emotions are going all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that that's, you know, we perhaps people with anxiety, depression, bipolar, um, kind of have it on a, on a more possibly more, se- a definitely more severe level than your average yeah, citizen. Definitely. Uh, so, so I just want to add to that because yeah, yeah. a big thing for me is, is being able to forgive myself and to not judge it. Cause I've always judged 
anxious people as being weak or when I'm anxious that I'm weak. So when I'm having a panic attack or I'm anxious that I'm, my anxiety is going to turn into a panic attack. I'm, I'm experiencing that, which is horrible as it stands, but I'm also experiencing this incredibly judgmental, you know, um, conversation in the back of my mind of like, you're, you know, just really calling myself horrible words, horrible names, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I should know better. You know what I mean? Like I'm yep. just going to the store. I'm just going to an appointment, right? Mm-hmm. Why am I, why can't I breathe? Why can't I leave the room? You know, it was really helpful listening to one of your interviews. It was a gentleman. I don't remember his name, but he was talking about being in a car, like going to an appointment and getting there and being in the car and having an, a panic attack and having to call um, you know, call the people and say like, oh, I'm in traffic or whatever and make up an excuse, you know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. just, but just hearing that another person's gone through that, it just kind of eased my, again, my judgment of yeah. what I've been afflicted with. Do you know what I mean? Of just like, yeah. it's because yeah. I wouldn't judge him. I'd be like, dude, you're okay. It's okay. Let's get you home. You know, forget about the appointment, take care, have a cup of tea, have a mm-hmm. bath, you know, but yeah. with me, it's just like, I just think I'm a total loser. I'm an idiot. What's wrong with you? you okay. Know? So that's and, like, that's negative self-talk. Those those thoughts are automatic in our, in our heads, you know, but the, I think, I think everybody experiences negative self-talk. I think some people start paying more attention to it and thinking that it's real. Yeah. Um, And so did you, do you feel like throughout your life you had negative self-talk going on and it became more pronounced because, you know, that the, the, the thing that I've experienced and I've learned about it is that you know, these, these negative thought patterns, they, they kind of wear a trench in what is a very elastic organ, which is our brain. Mm-hmm. Um, they, so they, they kind of wear this eat this path. That's sort of the path of least resistance, you know, which is negative thoughts and it leads to triggering anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it, it, as you're learning, um, it seems, it seems like you are that um, kind of countering that uh, cognitive behavioral therapy um, yeah. helps uh create new pathways that are much more healthy and much more positive. I, I kinder, simply do yeah. it. Yeah. I simply do it by catching them by, if I, if I have a negative thought, I just go, Oh, there's a negative thought again. Mm, um, nice. And, and not trying to pick it apart too much. Uh, you know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. You know, with your anxiety, do you find that it, it kind of throws you like what, you know, which comes you're, you're getting anxiety. You're saying generated by me- medication, which happens all the time. Yeah. Um, are you saying that, you get that anxiety and then does your anxiety glom onto something and that kind of cycles into more anxiety or what's your experience with that? Well, it feels like it's a physical anxiety. Like I just start to like, for instance, I had to drive James to the train station was going up um, just traveling in England the other day. And I had to get up at five in the morning and I didn't sleep well. Cause I knew I had, whenever I have to get up at a certain time, I have anxiety about getting up. So I don't sleep well. And when and I'm not yeah. rested, yeah, mm-hmm. the anxiety is intense. And I was driving him and we were on time. There was nothing bad happening, but I just started to feel my hands shake. Right. And mm-hmm. then I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to have an anxiety attack while I'm driving mm-hmm. on the highway. And it just, it turned into, and I said to him, I'm, I'm really apologetic when it's happening to you. Cause I just think I just have this, like, it just feels so negative and so scary to me. And I feel like I should be over it by now. Do you know yeah, what well, I mean? you're apologizing for, for that version of yourself that you perceive as being broken. As being broken. Yeah. But it's not. The moment. It's yeah. not broken. 
Yeah, um, and that's it, what I'm it's learning. It's as broken as, well. as somebody who has diabetes is broken. Okay. Um, you know, it's not. Vo- I feel like it's. We don't volunteer. It's we're, we're not volunteering for this. We've got it. And yeah. But yeah, yeah. I understand that apology piece. I've I've done it many times myself. And, and, yeah. And when I even when I'm saying it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Exactly. You know? So but to did answer you, your question, yeah, sorry, ahead. it just yep. so it 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 turns into this anxious feeling and my brain is trying to figure out what I'm scared of. Like what you're on time, mm-hmm. you know, nothing bad's happening. And then when I can't find what I'm scared of, I get more scared because I feel even more out of control. Like if it was a specific thing, like we're going to be late for the train, mm-hmm. that's kind of a real reason to have a little bit of anxiety. But when it's just like, Oh my God, the, you know, you're going to die or it, it's, it just thinks it feels like I'm just going to ruin everything. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's almost worse. Like it would be easier if I was just scared of people or just scared of going out, which I'm not scared of any of that yeah, stuff. But yeah. I've, but having said that, I have anxiety when I have to go out and into public sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like when something's expected from me, I feel like I can't um, show up for it. And well, that expectations gives me more are, are a big one. Expectations, expectations are a big one, I yeah. find, with anxiety Huge. too. So, did you, do you feel like you had, you know, going back to when you were younger or throughout your, you know, years until now um you've described sort of a panic panic attacks mm-hmm. did you have panic panic attacks before that or did that did these kind of arise uh, after you started this journey with the bipolar um i had two panic attacks when i was 40 for no particular reason well actually no it was a relationship ending and it was it was like a heartbreak and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff and I just felt like I was losing something really someone really important and it turned into panic attacks and I ended up getting medication from the doctor because I I just couldn't deal with it they were completely debilitating so just twice but it felt like it was circumstantial I didn't feel very spiritually fit at the time and Mm -hmm. I wasn't taking care of myself um and then I didn't have any until literally last year until Mm -hmm. after I had my episodes how do you deal with them now? Like how, how, how do you deal with them now compared to then? Uh, you know, are you more much used better? To them? Yeah. 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 And I heard you say in one of your interviews, um, you know, this is a start, like a beginning, a middle and an end, right? Mm-hmm. Like that this yeah. basically this too shall pass. That's kind of a mm-hmm. mantra in my head is this too shall pass. So I'm definitely better. Like I'll say to James, I'm having anxiety mm-hmm. and he's like, it's okay, sweetheart. We don't have to go anywhere. You're okay. You know, he's got this, mm-hmm. his own mantra of like, it's okay. Yeah. We're okay. You're safe. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry about me. Yeah. You know? Um, but it's, it's better when I speak to it. I do have medication for it. They gave me lorazepam, you know, yeah. for it. Yeah. And I, yeah. I take about, I mean, I take a half of like, so 0.5 milligrams if I feel I really need to, you know, I don't like, I don't want to waste it and I don't want to pump my body with that stuff. But Mm -hmm. there's some days where it's just like, I, I'm not going to, it feels like I won't survive the day unless I take that little tiny pill, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, it definitely serves its purpose in terms of taking an edge off. And then, yeah, like, like you say, salvaging the day. Yeah. Um, You know, I've I've had panic to a level where it's basically, um, wrecked a day from the morning right absolutely. on gone, absolutely absolutely you know? yeah and that and that then just feeds on this whole the whole feeling of uselessness and this feeling of um totally. you know being being more a, a victim of your condition rather than just yeah. sharing yeah. this condition you know yeah yeah it's it's um yeah it's it's just interesting talking to somebody you're the first person i've talked to with bipolar 
Um, okay. And it's a really important. I'm the first person I've talked to with bipolar. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I've never known anyone with it before. I, I know it's a few people. I know a few you people. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's, of course, you know, and that's part of the uh, point of the show is to show people that there's a community uh, of honestly, uh, you know, when I, in my experience doing this podcast, the, the spectrum of yeah. people with the spectrum of difficulties they're having, yeah, uh, anxiety, depression, bipolar, eating disorders, yeah. um, it, it, the, everybody's out there. Um, and it's yeah. important that, that people have an opportunity to realize there's community out there and, and to connect. Yeah. Do you, are, do you, ex, are you experiencing, um, with your bipolar, would you say you've experienced really low lows as well, like depression wise? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just always called it, I just always thought it was depression. I dismissed it a lot because I, I saw it as weakness, you know, mm -hmm. so I would pretend that I'm okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't until I got the diagnosis that I, I called my mom and she's like, oh, you've always had high highs and low lows. And I was like, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Genetics, like my self-perception. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But my perception of myself is, was not that, but mm. it's, it's like, I've been really, I don't know, removed from what, has really been happening in my life. Like I so did not want to identify as an anxious person mm -hmm. that I just covered it up my yeah. whole life, you know, yeah. not realizing that that's, it's just this restless, irritable, not irritable. It's just this like restless um, nervousness. Like yeah, I said, well, that's, I and that's how the snowball can get bigger and sneak up on you. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. So you, you know, you've obviously you've um, benefited somewhat from the use of medication. Um, yeah. What I'm other so things? grateful for it. I mean, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, me too. Um, yeah. What, um, but what other things would you say are, are your, you know, are your tools um, that, that, you know, your more organic tools, like in terms of, you know, whether it's sleep, whether it's spirituality, what are, what are the tools that you use now or that you've learned to use? Well, it's interesting. So before my bipolar event, if I had anxiety, I would pray or meditate, mostly pray. Like I've, since I got sober, um, I, you know, developed a relationship with my higher power, which I just mm -hmm. define as the power of love, you know, just like mm -hmm. loving thought or whatever. It doesn't have to be a, a Christian God. No, no, not at all. No, yeah, it's just yeah. that, that love that's in you, that's in me that we all share. That's, you know, mm -hmm. um, so I would pray to love, pray for the loving thought. I had all these tools from AA that really served me and I was able to connect um, but I think one of the things, and I, I've already forgotten what your question is, so I don't even know why I'm saying this. But, tools, um, tools that you tools. use. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was one of my tools. But the medication has blocked me from my connection with my higher power. Like it's it's yeah. it's so almost physical to me where I'll pray and it just feels like I'm praying to like a cardboard door or something like, and I used to really be able to open up and feel the presence of whatever, divinity mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. and it could soothe me and I would have certain kind of mantras that, you know, just like even just saying everything's meant to be, or it's all working out, or there's a divine order or that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I say some of that stuff now, and it's just, it's definitely blocked, whatever that medication. Cause you know, yeah, if it's I'm a flattening forward, of emotions with medication, flattening of emotion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the hardest things for me now is I'll pray and, you know, like, please relieve this or soften my feelings or whatever. And it's, it's like, it's just words. It doesn't connect, you know? Right. So, yeah. um, but what, you know, what helped me, like when I first thought, when you asked me to do this podcast, of course I had anxiety, right? My immediate thought is yeah. that I'm going to like start crying or throw yeah. up or like, just like mm -hmm. catastrophizing everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
I realized my biggest fear would be like making a fool of myself or exposing myself or yeah, being embarrassed. You know what I mean? And then I just kind of talked my way through that. Like, it's not a big deal. Like there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I realized that this is like all about being of service, you know, whenever Mm -hmm. I'm honest about an affliction or something I've been through, it can always serve someone else by being honest, you know, so kind of talking my way through it, I guess, is that cognitive behavior? I haven't. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. 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 What you're talking about. So just talking myself to, you know, sleep, diet, those kind of things affect how you feel. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I I need like nine to 11 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Well, everybody has their optimum. You know, my, my optimum is, probably seven okay um a little bit less uh, wow. i think you know people think the more sleep better but what i found is the more the you know the this all the sleep before midnight seems much more valuable yeah in terms of healing than anything kind of after midnight right I understand uh, another thing you've spoken a lot about too in this interview is is your support from your partner huge um, yeah, that's, that's an important piece to find somebody. And, and, you know, I think it's important for people to know that it doesn't have to be, you know, a romantic partner. Yeah. Um, it can be a friend, it can be a family member, it can be anything. So, Absolutely. so that, that, how is, how has that evolved sort of your, your relationship with him? Because I'm assuming you weren't in this when you first got together. No, not at all. No, mm-hmm. God, I was a different person when we first mm-hmm. met. Um, it's, you know, it's been really healing because I think I've always had a belief. I've always had really low self-esteem and, and incredibly negative um, self-perception since I was little. Mm-hmm. And I've felt unlovable and I'll be in a relationship and someone says they love me and I can kind of feel it, kind of believe it, but not really. But, you know, after seeing what I put him through or what we were both put through with that um, six weeks, about eight weeks of me acting out and going away and acting out and going away. Mm-hmm. And just his level of love and acceptance and support and like loyalty, like it's just, he's just such a rock for me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I, I have no problem saying I wouldn't have been able to get through this without him. I don't know how I would have, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just having someone literally having someone else in the house who's stable and solid has helped Mm -hmm. me incredibly, you know, and I've been able Mm -hmm. to be completely honest and transparent. Like I have no doubt now that, you know, he loves me. He's just such a loving person. You know what I mean? Sometimes it can just be words and stuff, but when someone can see you through, I mean, I slammed his hand in the door in the first um, episode that I had. And it was, I was running out in my robe with nothing on and he was just trying to catch me. Right. So I kept getting faster and faster. So I just ran out the door and I slammed the door behind me just Uh, out of kind of habit. And he had just reached for the door. So I broke his hand, which is horrible. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it broke my heart and I didn't even know it, you know, no, I didn't know until a month later when I came out, he was like, yeah, Mm. PS, you broke my hand, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, And it, you know, that just, I remember just bursting into tears, just like I would, it was just horrible because I would Mm. never hurt ever do that intentionally to someone, you know? Um, But yeah, it's, it's, there's been so much healing. There's been so much humility with it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's more humbling than just being like anxious as hell in your house and you can't leave, you know? It's just like, holy smokes. Like, I, I really need support, whether it's, you know, a higher power or medication or a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really the first time I've talked about it other than with, with James. I mean, my family was calling him, you know, I'm in England now. They were calling from Canada and stuff. And he was kind of giving him information. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I haven't fully really 
talked about it because it's it's so disjointed too, right? Yeah. Like it's just fascinating how my brain can go to those places where I was like soaring in the stars, you mm-hmm. know, populating planets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then to come back and be like, I feel the most, what's the word? I feel the most balanced that I felt this year. Yeah. Um, which is great. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, taking the time to talk to me and talk to all our listeners is, uh, it's incredibly helpful um, for them. So. And, yeah. and, uh, of course it is. And I I know it is because I get feedback about the podcast. Okay, great. And so, you know, having, having you come out like this sort of for the first time and, and, and really express yourself, it it means a lot to me that you've done this with me and and it means a lot to the people listening that you're doing it too, um, because it it really feels good and it really helps heal you if you help other people and that's what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate appreciate you talking to me today and uh, hopefully we'll talk again in the future. Okay, awesome. Thanks Thanks so much, Hannah. Okay, take care. Take care. Today, we discussed how a support system can help you cope with anxiety and mood disorders. If you or someone you know is struggling with a mood disorder, consider the Mood Disorders Association of BC's peer-led support groups. MDABC support groups are a safe place to share your story, your struggles, and accomplishments, and to listen to others that share similar concerns. For more information, visit mdabc.net slash resources slash mdabc dash support dash groups thank you for listening to our anxiety stories if you'd like to support this podcast or anxiety canada go to anxietycanada.com